Alrighty, guys. Thank you all for coming. It's been entirely too long. Uh, we are now four months since our last pops. Uh, July, there was a minor conflict with youth camp coming back, and we thought, you know what, let's give the team a break. Let's, let's get together next month. And then August looked like August, end of August. And then September still looked like the end of August. Um, and Ryan just now has a house, and so uh, he's back kind of ready, and, and he's got way more uh, organization and handouts and stuff than anybody else has ever had because he had four months to prepare. That's the only reason. Don't, don't be intimidated. You can still teach another time. We'd love to have more of you guys teaching. Um, just don't, don't think you have to have four months worth of prep and graphics and handouts and books and things like that. So, um, but I, I am excited. We'll talk more about this, but there's some really cool resources over here we'll look at. Um, but uh, for those of you who don't know Ryan, I hope all of you know Ryan because he's important. Um, he doesn't think he is, but he is. Uh, Ryan is the new head of our children's ministry here. And um, I'm excited as the head of Pops because I feel like having his leadership within the children's ministry area gives me a pocket to fit in as, hey, I'm supporting that because we're not just dads. We're part of a family, right? And so we are we're growing our families and we are working together with another ministry. And so Ryan and I are going to do a whole lot, uh, a lot more collaboration on things. I, I, it was really exciting to me when I said, Hey, I'm thinking about giving away these books. And he said, actually, can we not? And it was exciting to have somebody say like, Hey, look, I'm going to put some guardrails on here. Cause I, I want to, I have a bigger picture that this fits into. And I'm the kind of guy who doesn't love to lead a, I don't want to be like, the leader of a big thing. Just give me a role to do. And so I'm excited to have a role to play within what Ryan's doing for our families. And it's, it's really just, it's exciting. I'm excited. If you haven't had time to talk to him, uh, sit down, talk to him. You'll, you'll see how much he loves Jesus and you'll, how much he loves his family real quick. And like I said, uh, have him and his kids over, and then you'll be even more impressed with his kids and you'll want to learn how he does everything he does. That's where I'm at right now. Um, so anyway, uh, he's going to talk to us about a concept that I, this is like one of the topics that was on the short list of things I wanted covered in a POPs meeting this year uh, because it's something I've been terrible at. And if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how do I do this, this seems like overwhelming and scary. How do I make this happen? Ryan's going to tell us how to do that. And he, uh, I've talked to him about it, this concept. He's lived it. He does it regularly. It's not just, just fluff and, and all talk, no action. He really does this thing. And uh, I'm excited to hear how he does it and to apply it this week. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, or just gentlemen, uh, where's Sarah? Uh, Abigail, she's not here. So just gentlemen, uh, Ryan Lowe. Before you go, um, if you know me, I like to give out gifts of unspeakable value. So Nick, for you, I uh, just wanted to thank you for your leadership here. As someone has said that really a key to an effective children's ministry is an effective men's ministry. So I'm just grateful for you and just the time, energy, attention that you've put in to helping lead us lead this ministry. So I got you a gift and I really want you to open it now. <laughs> it's probably going to be awesome and not hilarious at all. Um, <laughs> it is a t-shirt that says Pops. Are there going to be more of these? <laughs> we could probably order some more, there but... There should be more of these. 
but I think uh, they're, they're like 30 bucks a shirt. So um, uh, I'll take Venmo. So we'll, I'll take... But thank you. Thank you, Nick. Big before you. Yes. Real fashion of the Christ um, material there. So I'm grateful we can do dad jokes here at, at Pop. So hope to have some of those sprinkled in throughout our, our time together this morning. So <clears throat> I'm hoping to have a conversation with you today about family discipleship. So I hope this uh, conversation is one of many future conversations that we can have uh, together as we are together growing our families for the glory of God. So while I've had the privilege of meeting many of you here, I hope for the chance to get to know you even better. I hope our conversation is an encouragement uh, to you. I hope it helps put some handles um, on as we grow in our means of what it looks like to disciple our family. I also hope to provide some resource recommendations uh, just as a mean for us to, um, to practice, to, um, in a way for us to equip you for our pursuit of family discipleship. So I really hope that this conversation is an opportunity for us to connect. So hopefully we'll be connecting here, but also connecting outside of, of here as we're growing families together for the glory of God. So uh, during our conversation today, we're going to be talking through a lot of options for family discipleship. So we all come here with different experiences, with different situations when it comes to our family discipleship. So understand um, some of you are very consistent with what the practice of a family discipleship looks like. Some of you, um, maybe you don't have a category for that yet. And so I hope that, that this is helpful for you in your parenting. But regardless of where you are on this spectrum, at the outset of our conversation together, I just want to encourage you to start with just one step. So... Through our conversation this morning, just think about like one thing, like what's one thing that you can take away from here and apply to your life, your family, as it relates to family discipleship. The last thing that we want is for you guys to leave here just overwhelmed with that, with that responsibility. So one thing, just one. So with that, we have a jam-packed schedule this morning. So Nick asked that I share a little bit about myself. So we will uh, start with, with that. We'll then work through the family discipleship content. We have more gifts of unspeakable value for those who stay awake during the talk. Um, I also want to do something different from what I think has been done here previously in that I want to do a family discipleship workshop with you. So don't get scared. It'll probably only take about 10 or 15 minutes for us to do that together. But I thought that would be a, a fun way for us to practice uh, family discipleship together. And then um, we'll just wrap up with a conversation there, uh, talk through some of the resources, and then we have even more gifts of unspeakable value to, to give away. And then we'll conclude with our small group uh, discussion. So with that, let's jump into... Who's this Ryan Lowe guy? So I was raised in a Christian home in 
in northeastern Pennsylvania. After graduating high school, I went to a, a Christian school growing up, um, my mom and I loaded all of my stuff in a Plymouth Voyager minivan, just one. And she dropped me off at Word of Life Bible Institute. So there I studied Bible survey and theology. I was on the yearbook design team, which was really fun there. And I was also a camp counselor, both for their snow camp and then for their summer camp for the uh, deputies and sheriffs and rangers, which were the 6 to 12-year-olds to um, there. After earning my Bible diploma, I moved back to Pennsylvania using that same Plymouth Voyager minivan and uh, attended Bloomsburg University to major in communication studies. So I interned at our, at our church at the time, and I helped to start up our lyrics ministry. And that's where the uh, blue screen with the yellow font color was the, the greatest rage there when it came to lyrics uh, technology. So, um, so I was grateful to be helping with that cutting-edge technology there. And then, um, but it was during my undergrad where I became more familiar with uh, Reformed theology and a resolve to build my life around a healthy church. So two days after graduating college, I used that same Plymouth Voyager minivan to move to Gaithersburg, Maryland, where I was part of a Sovereign Grace church. So at that church, I also um, occupationally was working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, the company that picks you up, but I was also involved in um, small group ministry there and helped to do some administration for their English as a second language um, ministry. Working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, the company that picks you up, my area manager was promoted to regional rental manager in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I had never been to Texas, but I really liked working for him. So I packed up a Chevy cargo van and transferred to Corpus Christi, Texas as a branch manager there. That's where Cresha and I met. We were married at the church, and at that church, we, we helped out with youth. We led the college Sunday school class. We, were, um, we also started the young adult a small group there. We were part of the greeting team, the the video team, and we just had a desire to do more ministry. And so in, in meeting with the leaders of the church, like, well, if you want to do more ministry, you really need a seminary degree. I was like, okay. So in probably like a two-week um, period, we made a decision to um, to apply to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth and got accepted. And so we packed up a single U-Haul truck and moved to Fort Worth, Texas, where I could take uh, classes in church planting there at, um, at Southwestern. So with Enterprise, I transitioned from a branch manager into the business management or the accounting department there and I went part time so I could also take um, take classes and um, after a year of seminary found out we were expecting Edward so I went back to work full time and I dropped uh, to, with Enterprise Rent a Car the company picks you up and uh, <laughs> and uh, dropped out of uh, Southwestern and to pursue a more like lay ministry. Um, approach. So um, 
We're attending um, a Southern Baptist church that was reformed um, in its doctrine. And it was there we, were, we helped to lead a small group. We also, I taught Sunday school classes there during their discipleship hour time. Uh, helped to lead the men's ministry there. And um, also did some training for some of the small group leaders. And uh, Krish and I also started um, taking some, some classes from the Christian Counseling Education Foundation. So after eight years with Ren- Enterprise Rent-A-Car, the company picks you up. I changed careers to work for Bell, previously um, Bell Helicopter. Think of how like Apple moved from Apple Computers just to Apple. Bell did a very similar um, move as um, branding themselves as a technology company. So at Bell, I worked in the um, started out in the military billings department. So I was a supervisor there. After that, um, I got promoted to manager over the Bell Training Academy. I was responsible for the business and customer operations there. And then the last nine months of my time with, with Bell, I was on the strategy and enterprise growth alignment team. So that's a really big mouthful, and we can talk more about what those responsibilities um, looked like. But it was at Bell where I was able to, um, to finish um, an MBA and then a graduate certificate in, in business analytics. So, um, so with that, like in, in 2014, with a desire to be part of a Sovereign Grace Church again, um, while I was still working for Bell, um, we, we began attending Grace Church in Frisco, Texas, where we eventually made two trips in a U-Haul to move from Fort Worth to Frisco, Texas. We had a a strong desire for community, and my 10-minute commute to to work every day and a 50-minute commute to church every Sunday switched to a uh, 50-minute commute to work without traffic, um, but a 10-minute commute to church each week. And so uh, the house that we had was in a neighborhood with with other folks from, from the church. So it was really just an opportunity for us to grow in uh, community as we were part of that church. So in, um, in first uh, becoming members of the church, I was asked to help with the regional men's conference, doing some of the um, organization there with the, the Texas region. And then from there, it led to, they asked if I would help, um, uh, sort of almost last minute, lead the Vacation Bible School um, program that year, which then led to um, taking on children's ministry um, as a, in a volunteer uh, capacity. So, so I, uh, we had that experience for, um, for, for about uh, six and a half, seven years, just serving as a deacon over their children's ministry there. Um, and then we also helped out with a lot of the church, uh, church events. So um, in March, uh, Pete reached out um, with the opportunity to lead the children's ministry here at Lakeview. So I don't think Pete had me in mind. I think he was looking more for recommendations for this, this role. And um, so that was just not on the radar uh, whatsoever. In fact, it was like just a couple days later, I'm falling asleep and just casually mentioned to Cresha, oh yeah, the church in New Orleans are looking for a children's ministry leader. And and um, like her response was, well, what do you think about that? 
And my response was, well, I didn't think about that because I didn't think that you'd want to move to New Orleans. So just as we were praying through that um, together and um, uh, conversations led to more conversations, we, um, we received an offer and we loaded up three extremely packed 26-foot U-Haul trucks and made the move to Lakeview. And we are very grateful that we, that we did. Thank so, you, Gracia. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we are just really grateful um, to be here. And you'll probably go on for another hour about that. But um, let's continue on with family discipleships. And this is my family. So um, I want to introduce my family uh, to you. So Carisha and I, we've been married for 14 years come this December. We have five phenomenal children. Um, Edward is 12. Haddon is 11. Mahaney and Susanna had birthdays last month, so they're 10 and 7. And then uh, Kreisha's mom also, she's lived with us for the last 11 years, so that's Grandma Jan. And she's just been a phenomenal help with, with the kids. And like her help and support has just just multiply the ministry creation I've been able to, to have. So just very grateful for, for her um, and her help there. So uh, Kreisha, she has her master's in elementary education. She homeschools our kids. And I, just, I haven't met um, anyone more gifted than she is in engaging with, with children. Um, She's just uh, been a tremendous support, not just in children's ministry, but primarily in partnering with me in our, in our family discipleship. So let's jump in to family discipleship. Um, so as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, part of my experience at Bell included time at the Bell Training Academy. So at the training academy, we would train pilots and mechanics how to fly and maintain Bell aircraft. So pictured here is my first helicopter ride experience. So my friend Chad needed to complete some flight hours and asked me if I wanted to fly with him. Of course, the answer is yes. So after we flew around Fort Worth, we went back to the practice area and practiced a couple touch and goes. So this is a maneuver where we like landed on the runway on the practice area and then took off again. So really quick, touch and go. So um, since moving here to Lakeview, the Lord has been impressing the book of Deuteronomy on my heart. So it's a book about transition. So as I've experienced his grace through studying this book, I pray that it's also a means of grace for you. Um, I think just as we look at transition, it's not just been a transition from uh, Frisco, Texas to, to New Orleans, but even in the midst of that, we've, we've transitioned out of our home into a rental and um, it's just been really neat to see God's grace at work through, through all of it. Um, so, um, so with that, I, you know, I'd like us to do a few touch and goes through the book of Deuteronomy as we study together what God's word has to say about family discipleship. 
So uh, Deuteronomy means second law, which comes from the Greek translation of a word um, in chapter 17, verse 18, where the command is given to the future kings of Israel uh, to personally handwrite a second copy of the law. So kings were charged with this task to preserve the scriptures, but also as a means of the king's knowing God's law. It's a book that recounts what the Lord has done as encouragement to walk in obedience. And it's, it's a book of renewal as the people of Israel are reminded about who God is and what he has done as they renew their covenant with him. So a fun fact, uh, Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy more than any other Old Testament book. Um, commentators have discussed an interesting note about the outline of the book and that it's structured in a similar way to the Near Eastern vassal treaties, how they were structured. So a, a vassal treaty is one where a particular nation comes under the rule of another, typically a more powerful nation, where the treaty would formalize the relationship with those, those nations. So the treaty components would typically include um, a preamble, a historical prologue, general and specific stipulations, divine witnesses or various deities, and then blessings and curses. So the interesting thing about Deuteronomy is that while the book is structured as one of these vassal treaties, the treaty in Deuteronomy isn't with another nation like the Hittites or, or the Egyptians. It's, it's with the Lord. So prior to the Exodus, the people of Israel were functionally vassals of Egypt. But God, being mightier than Egypt, freed the Israelites, who in this covenant renewal are committing themselves to serving the Lord. More on this, this later. Um, another fun fact is that in Hebrew, the word for the fifth book of the Bible, the fifth book of Moses, means the words. And it's taken from the opening line of Deuteronomy, which reads, These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness. So uh, the book of Deuteronomy records the last three sermons of Moses before he transitions leadership to Joshua and God calls him to be with him. Um, as I as mentioned earlier, Deuteronomy is a book of transition. Um, what else is interesting about these uh, sermons is that throughout each of these sermons, Moses calls the assembly of Israel to teach the commands and ways of God to their children. He's, he's calling the assembly of Israel to family discipleship. So through our touch and goes through Deuteronomy, we can take a closer look at that. So for the first uh, sermon of Moses, it's, it's a historical prologue. So remember the the vassal treaty outline. It's a, it's a historical prologue beginning in chapter 1, verse 6. And that goes through verse four and, or chapter 4 and verse 43. Moses is reminding the people of Israel about what God has done 
with a specific command in chapter 4-9 to talk with their children about uh, what, who God is and what he has done. So we take off from there and we look at the second sermon beginning in chapter 4, 44 through chapter 26, verse 19, where Moses discusses both the general and specific covenant stipulations for the people. We see both in uh, chapter 6, verse 7, and chapter 11, 19, the commands to diligently teach their children in their homes, on the road, at bedtime, and in the morning. With our last touch and go, we see Moses' final sermon where he talks about blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience in chapters 27 and 28. We also see his final exhortation to the people where we have the commissioning of Joshua. We have the song of Moses and the death of Moses bringing us to the end of the book. We see twice the importance of telling their children about who God is and what he has done as motivation for obedience. God has chosen the people of Israel and through who he is and what he has done, he is calling the nation of Israel to choose him, to obey him, to make him known to their children. The book of Deuteronomy ends with the song of Moses. So this is a song that the Lord tells Moses to write, but it's a song that sings about how the people of Israel will fail to obey. It's a song about how the people of Israel will disobey the Lord. So I I can't imagine that this was a very fun song for the people of Israel to to sing. Yet, um, in spite of the commands to remember, like the people of Israel, no, we are committed, we'll do it. In spite of all of, of that, in spite of the call for them to remember who God is and what he has done, and the commands to teach these things to their children so that the children would also remember the people of Israel failed to obey. They failed to teach and they soon forgot the Lord. Leadership was transferred to Joshua and then to the judges and then to the kings and the Old Testament is replete with the people of Israel forgetting God. Judges 3, 7, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, their God. 1 Samuel 12, 9, but they forgot the Lord, their God. This is a summary of the book of, of Judges here in 1 Samuel. Isaiah seventeen ten. for you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Hosea, they all speak to the people of Israel forgetting God. They failed to obey, they failed to teach, and they soon forgot. So the song of Moses was in a sense prophetic. 
and what would happen in the hearts of the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 34.10 concludes the book of, uh, with the words, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. That is, until Jesus. The reality is that because of our sin, we need a Savior. Because of our tendency to forget, we need new hearts. We need renewed minds. We need the new life that comes with union with Christ. So Deuteronomy recounts what the Lord has done as an encouragement to walk in obedience. But family discipleship doesn't begin with what we do. It begins with what Christ has done. So Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our family discipleship just isn't something we do. It needs to overflow out of what Christ has done for us. Family discipleship is a lifestyle born out of who Christ is and what he has done. So we saw in the, in the book of Deuteronomy uh, that the book of Deuteronomy in Hebrew means the words. But aren't we grateful that we have the word who became flesh and made the father known? John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And verses 16 through 18, for from him, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus made the Father known to us. And we have this grace and this truth. We have the message of salvation that we can share with our children so that they too can know the Father. So we also saw in the book of Deuteronomy that its name means second law. But aren't we grateful that Jesus came to fulfill the law? Romans 8, 3 through 4, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. He's given us his spirit and the power to walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So how kind of him to work in our hearts to give us the grace we need to will and to work for his good pleasure. As we look at how Jesus quoted and used the book of Deuteronomy, he was reminding his hearers about who God is and what he has done. 
He also calls us to make disciples, teaching them to observe all that he commanded. So we see that here in the Great Commission here in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As we consider the exhortation of Moses to the people of Israel to teach our children in our homes, on the road, at bedtime, in the morning, the Great Commission must include family discipleship. Our call to be disciples who make disciples must include discipling our families. So one more amazing truth is while the book of Deuteronomy ended with the song of Moses, a song describing how Israel will fail, contrast that with the high priestly prayer of Jesus we see in John 17. A a promise that the great commission will be fulfilled. Jesus is praying for us. Someone once said, the great commission isn't our job to get done. It's God's promise to fulfill. Jesus is calling us to use our words to speak his word to others so that the world may believe in Jesus. For us as dads, the great commission starts in our homes and Jesus is interceding on our behalf for our good, for the good of our children and for God's glory. So the goal of family discipleship is God's glory. May he be glorified through our family discipleship. With this in mind, let's start to get practical with what family discipleship looks like. Let's start out our conversation by talking about what we mean by family discipleship. With Deuteronomy and the gospel as our framework, family discipleship is growing families for the glory of God. Family discipleship just isn't a segregated category. It's a lifestyle. So with that, I want us to explore the relationships of family discipleship, our responsibilities in family discipleship, the rhythms of family discipleship, and our response to family discipleship. And over there, we also have resources for family discipleship. Love ours, Ryan R. It's a great letter. So, and again, just a reminder at the outset, um, as we talk through these, just, I really want you to, to think about one area or one aspect. So as I don't want you to feel like you're drinking from a fire hose with this. So just be thinking about one way or one specific um, thing you can take away from this to apply to your uh, family discipleship. So growing families for the glory of God includes the relationships of family discipleship. Our relationship with Christ, our relationship with our family, our relationship with extracurricular 
activities and our relationship with the body of Christ. So when my kids were younger, we had this toy truck. This toy truck would play music when you would push the button. And um, one of the songs that it played, I believe it would, it would sing through the alphabet. But then at the end of the song, it tacked on this tagline that says, Recycle starts with R, but it really starts with me. So while we can't emphasize the importance of discipleship beginning with what Christ has done in the spirit of dad jokes, discipleship starts with D, but it really starts with me. So what does your relationship with God look like? Christ's work saves us for relationship with God. Are you a growing disciple of Jesus? Does who God is and what he has done through Jesus impact the way that you live? Does it impact how you spend your time or where you focus your attention? or how you expend your energy. We need to be disciples to make disciples. Next, uh, family discipleship also, not surprisingly, must include a relationship with your family. So, are you creating space in your schedule or time for your family. And spending time with your family, do they have your attention? Um, So this is Ryan Lowe, who's going to quote Stephen Mackey, who's quoting Aaron Vogel, who may be quoting someone else. But I heard Stephen once, once say, you need to disconnect to reconnect. And as much as we love how connected we are through our phones, through technology, sometimes we need to disconnect, to put down our phones, to reconnect with our family. Uh, Also, I'm sure you've heard the, the adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So is your family more aware of your encouragement or your frustration? Are are they more aware of your pursuit of them or your procrastination? Would they describe you as one who considers their needs more significant than your own? Do they know that you not only love them, but that you like them and like spending time with them. May the Lord help each of us grow in our relationship with our family. I'd also like us to consider our relationship with extracurricular activities. So let me at the outset say that I don't take issue with extracurricular activities. So please don't leave here thinking, Ryan just hates extracurricular activities, because that would not be true. I think extracurriculars uh, can be super helpful for 
the social, physical, educational, emotional, and even spiritual development of our children. Yet, I have seen time and time again where extracurricular activities slowly take over family schedules at the expense of the spiritual formation of our family, at the expense of family discipleship. Extracurricular practices take the place of small group or LCC youth participation. Extracurricular games or performances take the place of Sunday morning celebration participation. Chat Bettis, the author of The Disciple-Making Parent, writes, Where does discipling my child fit with other priorities? Surrounding us are parents making superhuman sacrifices for their children's soccer practice, hockey practice, academic progress, and music lessons. We can be tempted to follow them. While we may give lip service to discipling our children, the reality comes when we start prioritizing activities. So this may come as a kick in the shorts, but honest question. Are our extracurricular activities serving our family discipleship, or are we held captive by our extracurricular activities? I think the business world uh, grasps this. Um, Jim Collins, um, in his book, Good to Great, writes, good is the enemy of great. He goes on to say, and that is one of the key reasons why we have so little that becomes great. We don't have great schools, principally because we have good schools. We don't have great government, principally because we have good government. Few people attain great lives, in large part because it's just so easy to settle for a good life. So again, please hear me say that extracurricular activities can be a means of grace for the good of our children. But we need to pursue them uh, in the pursuit of our, with the pursuit of family discipleship in mind so our families aren't missing out on the riches, the inheritance, the treasure that is found in the greatness of knowing Jesus. C.S. Lewis makes this point more poignant, where he writes, We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So let's not let the good of extracurricular activities rob us of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's also consider our relationship with the body of Christ. So discipleship starts with D, but it really starts with we. What does your relationship with the body of Christ look like? How do you talk about our church around your family? Not just our church programs, but about the people in our church. 
How do you talk about our church leaders around your family? Are you excited to be with God's people? Who are your primary friends? Who are the primary friends of your kids? I'm not saying that we or our kids shouldn't have friends outside of the church, but our friends have a strong influence on us. Uh, Studies have been done across multiple generations that have revealed that in people with faith that lasts, they observed two characteristics. One, their families talked about things of the Lord in casual conversation. So not casually, but in casual conversation throughout the day. And two, they had significant people in their lives other than their parents who shared their faith. So while we recognize that sustaining faith comes from the Lord, we cannot discount the important truths we looked at in Deuteronomy that call us to teach the things of the Lord to our children. And just as that was a call to the assembly of Israel to do that, not just the particular families who were there, it's important that we have a strong relationship with the body of Christ. So how are you serving at the church? How are you encouraging your kids to share, to serve here at, at the church? So I was super encouraging, uh, super encouraged following Hurricane Ida, um, not because we lost half our house, but just to see how many uh, families signed up with their kids uh, to distribute food to families in our community. So we had uh, littles like, like Elliot Tucker and Ford Ballerino organizing completed food containers on the table or like being lifted up by their parents to hand completed um, uh, containers into the vehicles of, of the guests who were driving, uh, driving through. Um, many of you were, were there with your families as, as well, which was which phenomenal. Um, we also had the, uh, the Loria boys really excited to put alpha stickers on each of the tracks that we handed out for that um, distribution time. So um, it, I just, I love seeing families who are serving together. So the, the last question just to consider on this, this area, and we've really already touched on this with extracurricular activities, but How are you prioritizing participation in church programs and relationships? Are your kids experiencing grace that comes with relating to other believers? Our relationship with the body of Christ is crucial to our family discipleship. So uh, growing families for the glory of God comes with responsibilities. We have responsibilities in our family discipleship. To quote Uncle Ben's charge to Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. The Lord in his kindness has given you, entrusted to you, the, the care of your family, has given you your family to disciple for their good and for his glory. So Jesus commands us to be disciples who make disciples. And what he calls us to 
He provides you the grace you need to carry out that responsibility. As we look back at Deuteronomy 6, 7, family discipleship is not a segregated category. It's a lifestyle. A lifestyle that calls us to pursue God in all aspects of our lives. So uh, Pastor Keith sent me a vision document when I first came on staff that looks at the values and goals behind what we do here at LCC. So you may already be familiar with this, um, with this document, with this teaching, and I'm, I'm sure there will be more coming on this in the future. Um, but the same vision and the same values in that document are really at work here in our family discipleship. So each of these, full transparency, deserves their own talk. But in the spirit of touch and go, we're going to talk about the aim, the activities, and the aroma, and how those fit into our family discipleship. So our, our aim in family discipleship is to faithfully share the gospel and involve our kids in programs and activities that help prepare the soil of their hearts for the gospel. We pray that these conversations and programs prepare the soil and also sow gospel seeds into their hearts so that our children will experience new birth. We pray that this new birth leads to hearts that are growing and maturing through the continued conversations and relationships and activities um, through understanding doctrinal truths that we see Jesus in all of scripture and having who he is and what he has done transform our hearts and lives so that they can become, so that we can become more like him. So we also pray that this leads to ministry where our, where our kids are serving the body of Christ with the body of Christ and sharing the glorious truths of the gospel to our neighbors and taking the gospel to the nations. Let's take a look at activities. Some activities that continue to support our aim include praying with our kids, or even bringing kids to the prayer meetings, reading or studying scripture together, participating in School of the Word or LCC Kids, encouraging the work of the Spirit in their lives and developing a heart that's sensitive to conviction and walking in righteousness. Family discipleship also involves fellowship with others. It involves Outreach. It involves biblical correction and discipline and encouraging our kids to respect leaders and even develop into biblical leaders who will lead their families and may even serve as leaders in our church one day. But we're not just after behavioral change, we also want to encourage an aroma about our kids which is really funny language when you're talking about our kids and aroma. But go with me here. Our family discipleship helps our kids grow in humility and joy, what it looks like to be grateful, how we can be an encouragement to 
others. What it looks like to be generous with both our time and our finances. How we put the needs of others as more significant than our own and what it means to serve. Well, well, it may be easy just to share some prescriptive specifics. I, again, just want to reiterate the importance of family discipleship being a lifestyle, not just a segregated category. The gospel changes everything. But I also don't want this to be, again, don't want this to be overwhelming for you. God's grace meets us where we are in each of our specific situations. So let's next look at the rhythms of family discipleship. So what we mean by rhythms are just healthy patterns or habits for pursuing family discipleship. For this aspect, I hope to give you a glimpse into our home of the rhythms that we found helpful. And again, Um, It's not my intent to be prescriptive here for you, but just to share our experience and provide some ideas or ways that maybe you can pursue rhythms of family discipleship in your family. I also need to confess that I have not done this perfectly. Um, There are multiple times when I've shirked my responsibilities to disciple my family. I'm grateful that there's grace uh, for this, um, grateful that um, our trajectory seems to be moving in the right direction in this area. And I pray the same grace for you in your lives um, as together we grow in discipling our families. So each of you received a handout when you came in. So you can ignore the date on the top as we printed these ahead of our pups meeting Um, That was canceled in light of Hurricane Ida. And I thought, let's save some trees or whatever plastic's made out of in this case. Um, So as we consider the rhythms of family discipleship, I'd also like for us to consider some resources. So this isn't an exhaustive list, um, but they are resources that we've used in our family, that we found helpful in our family. Um, And I just, I would highly commend them um, to you. So we brought several books from this list with us this morning to to look at. And um, you can find those on the resource table here. So uh, first, just want to talk about uh, children's books. So I think for our family, uh, family discipleship began with reading books to our kids. So we started with various board books with Christian themes that that we would read, but really like reading to your kids in in, just in general is a way for littles to practice paying attention um, and listening, which can also prepare them for uh, longer reading times through um, family devotions. So with family devotions, um, so for us, those have also evolved through the years as our kids have grown. We started out when they were little reading the Jesus storybook um, Bible and then the big picture Bible. Copies of those are over there. Uh, The stories are much shorter and they just more easily capture the attention of younger kids. As the kids grew older, we started working through the gospel story Bible curriculum um, that we also used um, in children's ministry um, at our church in Frisco. And we also use that same curriculum here at 
at LCC Kids. Um, both the long story short and old story new, uh, they're 10-minute devotions that go just a little deeper into the lesson that the kids were taught on Sunday mornings. So as the kids grew older, we would have the older kids start to read the, the devotionals at the table and ask the, the questions afterwards. And um, so since we, like the span of our ages is from like like two to, to 12. So just to engage the younger kids throughout the process, um, we would, um, I would try to ask a question of them after the older kids had had gone through their questions where the response to the question was either God or Jesus. And so <laughs> it was just a helpful way, I think, for us, just because it helped to draw them into the, into the discussion, include them that way. Um, but also it was just a means of teaching them that really like the Bible is all about Jesus. And so for like nonverbal kids at, this to- at, the, at the time, like kids can sign um, before they can speak. So we would, we would teach them the sign for Jesus. And so we would start by having them, them answer with, um, with that. But it's just funny around the, around the table, like all the kids are asking, like, like, well, who is it? Who is it, Quentin? And Quentin gets this big grin on his face and he'll like sign it. And everyone cheers and just really excited. So it's a way of um, involving him in the conversation. So children's books, family devotions. Um, another category is morning and evening devotions. So we also encourage our kids to do devotionals each day. When they were little, uh, we had this blue beginner's Bible. I think it was by Zondervan and just encouraged them to look through that first thing in the morning um, um, while the other kids were doing their studies. And just remember, I think it was a, a year, a couple of years ago, Susanna, um, like just wanting to bring her Bible to the, to the message, to the sermon. And so the sermon was on the book of Daniel. So she opens her blue, like beginner's Bible to the story of Daniel and the lion's den so that she could also follow along with, um, with what the, the preacher was, was talking about. So, um, as they grew older um, and were starting to write, we've used the Exploring the Bible, Bible Reading Plan, and I think our kids right now are doing the Meeting with Jesus Bible Reading Plan. Um, each day has questions to ask and a place for them to write down what they, what they learned from the sermon. Um, as they've continued to grow, we've done uh, just various studies. Um, hadn't really enjoyed morning and evening and... Um, a couple of years ago, we had them go through um, Keller's devotional on the book of Proverbs. Um, just have to be careful with that one. There's some like matters that may be more more weighty for for younger kids uh, through that. But um, we've just experimented with uh, different devotional studies uh, that way. Um, we've also encouraged our kids in reading through the Bible. So. We did that as a church a few years ago, um, just reading, reading through the Bible, and uh, the church celebrated with this big pancake breakfast at, at the end. And so with that being uh, three years ago, since then, um, Edward, our 12-year-old, has wanted to read through the Bible on his own. Um, and so he just this past August finished reading through it for his, for his third time. So I'm um, so grateful for 
um, for that habit in his in his life. Um, Caricius also worked through um, a young peacemakers study with the kids as a morning devotional. Um, so it's just it's a study on how to work through uh, through conflict. So. So next, I want to talk about book studies. And so book studies, are, they're just an opportunity to spend time together with your kids to go through a particular book together. So my kids look forward to this every single week. My girls were a little disappointed that I was speaking this morning because we have to reschedule their book study with dad to another time. But they love it. Um, so you can see, like on your handout, just a list of of different resources that we've we've gone through. Um, just one point of of clarification is one of the resources I put on study with dads is actually between us girls. So um, a note of clarification is I actually went through that study with my girls, um, but I was sort of like live editing along the way, just changing mom to dad and. And trying to make that make more sense, and obviously there'd be times when I would, would mess up, and the girls would just laugh. They knew that it was supposed to be for girls and moms, but they were just excited to uh, to go through that um, through that together. So it just made for some some funny moments there. Um, the girls have really appreciated the uh, Light Keeper series. So these are stories about women of faith um, who did um, great things for. For the Lord, so there's several different books, and in just a like, funny story with with that is one of them is called like Ten Girls Who Did Not Give In. So it's a story of women of faith who were martyred for their faith. So each story would end with, and then she was killed, or then she died this way, or she was beheaded, or it might not be as graphic as as that. But what's funny is the very next book in the series we picked up, like we conclude the reading and Susanna's asked, like, Daddy, well, how did she die? Like, how was she killed? I was like, well, like this one's just a little bit different than, um, than that. So, um, sorry, I just made for a fun moment that way. Um, it's been fun going through different like theological topics with, um, with the boys and you can do that with girls, with your girls too. Um, we went through Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle. Always really um, enjoyed that one. We tried going through, this was sort of a dad fail on my part, we tried going through um, the Puritan uh, paperback uh, by Thomas Goodwin, Thoughts, uh, or A Godly Man's Picture. And halfway through it, like, they were just fine. They were reading. They were, but it just, it didn't seem like we were getting as much out of it as what we, um, we what we should have been, so... We, uh, we set that one aside. Maybe we'll pick that one up again when they're a little bit older. Or It, it was probably just me and my attention span. Like I, I maybe lost them there. Uh, we're, cu- we're currently going through a story retold, which is sort of like a Bible survey book where it looks at each of the books of the New Testament in light of the Old Testament. And there's fun pictures in that one. Um, I think it's meant for college uh, students. But the boys really like it. We only do about seven pages of... Uh, a meeting, but that seems to hold their attention. They enjoy um, that, and primarily it's just they enjoy the time together. We'll go out to either Starbucks or McDonald's or um, uh, just 
we're trying different coffee shops in New Orleans now that we're here. And it's really just a time together to not just do the study, but to ask them how they're doing, like what they're reading about in their, uh, their devotional times and just uh, connect with them that way. So another uh, rhythm in our life is, um, I pray so for yours, is life in our church community. So our kids have enjoyed School of the Word. Um, They've enjoyed the Tuesday morning uh, prayer uh, times. Um, Our boys love LCC youth, and um, kids also enjoy LCC kids, um, and the Sunday celebration service. So also enjoy the prayer time for the the Osinax um, the other day. Um, Playdates at the park are, are always fun, too. Um, game nights with with church friends like the boys had last night and, and there's other opportunities just to spend time with friends from from church so our rhythms may look different from your rhythms so maybe maybe bedtime is better for your family for family devotions or for personal devotions for the for the kids Maybe you want to use one of the family devotions like a book study with your kids. I, just, I think that the main idea here is that, that we have a consistent, intentional time with your kids that teaches them about who God is and what he has done. And to reiterate, just be thinking about one thing you would like to change um, or one area to grow in implementing as you consider your approach to family discipleship. Now for our response. So the, the first, first response for us is, as I pray, is one of, of faithfulness. So family discipleship involves perseverance. It involves steadfastness in continuing to put God's word in front of our children. It involves obedience. So we read the commands in Deuteronomy with our touch and goes there about teaching our children And the Great Commission's call to be witnesses where we are. To reiterate that, like Acts 1.8, we see the outline really of the book of, of Acts as believers start in Jerusalem. Persecution hits and they're scattered then to Judea and Samaria. And they're called to be witnesses there. And then we see the book of Acts transition out to Um, the uttermost part of the earth. As the gospel continues to go forth, the believers were called to be witnesses where they are. So family discipleship is a means for us to be witnesses to our families. So our response also looks like trust. So we've been, we, we must have a humble dependence on the Lord in our family discipleship. It's God who gives the growth. It's God who transforms hearts. It's God who changes lives. He calls us to the mission of family discipleship and by his spirits, by his spirit, he works in ways that we cannot see for our good, for the good of our children and for his glory. Uh, be prepared to be surprised through your family discipleship. So expect to be surprised through your family discipleship. Prepare for the Lord to surprise you. 
So after just having moved here, we'd been prepping our kids for um, just some of the lifestyle changes that we needed to, to make um, that would give us the opportunity to work full time at the church. Um, the LCC kids lesson that week had been on the miraculous catch. So we picked up our copy of Old Story New, um, the devotional, and, and started reading that at, at dinner. And the author was talking about how God calls some of us to make big sacrifices to follow and serve Jesus. He goes on to say, Many pastors, for instance, make far less money than they could earn running a business. So at this point, like, my kids are laughing uncontrollably. So something we were just talking about was brought up in the lesson. It was such a fun surprise from the Lord to make that, that memory with them. It was also an opportunity to reinforce with them some of the things that we had, that we had been teaching them. But also be prepared for your kids to surprise you. So uh, at our previous church, we had just met this family who started going to, um, to the church, and they invited our family over for dinner. So for us with four kids at the time, we have five now, that was a big deal for us to be invited over. So after dinner, they pulled out their family devotional, and they asked the first question, which stated, how would you describe the place where you live now? So without skipping a beat, our oldest's hand shoots straight up in the air. After he's called upon, he gives a one-word answer. So in response to the question, how would you describe the place where you live now? He responds, hell. Grisha and I are mortified. My, my mind is racing a mile, like a minute here. Like, did he actually just say that? Did their kids hear it? Did, like, where did he pick that up? Like, what is this? Like, there goes the friendship. Like, they'll probably never visit the church again. And maybe we shouldn't either. So this is all racing through my head. But the, the mom just, you know, just very politely asked him to explain his response to which he shared. For those who believe in Jesus, this is the closest to hell we will ever experience. Wow. So we were floored. So what we thought was about to be a really awkward, um, hey, sorry, no time for dessert, we gotta go, um, turned into a really sweet memory that we still laugh about. So, so expect your kids to surprise you. Finally, I hope that your response to family discipleship is one of joy. In 3 John, um, John writes, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. May that be the refrain of every dad in this room. May we be a group of dads who are together pursuing family discipleship, and growing families for the glory of God. All right. Who is ready for some more gifts of unspeakable value? I'm so excited about this. So um, 
I really want the opportunity to bless all of the dads and granddads who have kinder through sixth grade students. So if that's you, would you please raise your hand? And Nick, I might ask for your help with this too. So what we will be giving away to, um, to all of you is a copy of the Old Story New uh, Family Devotional. So this is an opportunity for me to plug this resource so we can get it into the hands of, um, of you guys. So this, uh, again, complements the lessons that we're doing in LCC Kids uh, for the, um, the, the kinder through fifth grade classes right now. And again, they're just, they're 10 minute devotionals that you can do at, at home. So, um, this past Sunday, I think it was lesson 19. We looked at, um, the hidden treasure. So I thought it might be fun for us this morning to do a little, uh, workshop for the next 10 minutes. So we can have some practice in what this kind of family devotion would look like or could look like in your home. So in groups of like three to five, I want you guys to, to get, um, get together. And one of you who has this book, you can lead in this way, but, um, but I want you to, and the instructions are here, uh, turn to page 138, have someone read Matthew 13, 44, and um, and uh, and then read through the the um, the text uh, in the lesson, and um, just go around asking the the questions that are that are there, and then um, one additional aspect to that is see if you can think of a question from the reading where the answer is either. Jesus or God. So something that you might do with a, um, a younger a child that, that way. So any questions before we begin? We're going to take about maybe a total of 10 minutes to, to do this. And go. As you guys are finishing up, um, talk about your observations from this exercise. What was helpful or hard or easy or good? It sounds silly, but I like the answers are already in here. <laughs> like it sounds like a really like dumb, smart alley answer, but I like like the minimal preparation required. Yep. Well, it looks like um, most everyone is 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 wrapped up. So, um, so let's come back together here and just just talk about um, what we just did. So, what is? Uh, let's start with what's one question you came up for a two or a three year old? Uh, who is our treasure? Excellent. That's great. Any others? That's good. Um, so what observations, we talked about it's great that the answers are there, but what are some other observations you have from, from this exercise? It's not really that hard. 
It's not. Yeah, in fact, like, um, if you have a book, you could actually take the book home with you and do the same exact thing with your kids tonight before church um, tomorrow. Um, so we, um, while well, we did um, this lesson, I think tomorrow we're talking about Jesus calms the storm. And so you'll find that on page 142 of the book. So, um, so after uh, LCC Kids tomorrow, um, you would be able to start with um, page 142 and go through these the devotions at dinner time or bedtime or whatever um, whatever serves your schedule that um, that way. So Ryan, um, if you yes, have like maybe one fifth grader and then like a mature seventh grader on up to you know high school age, since it may be appropriate just to find the time to uh, just spend with that with that younger child, maybe with this. Yeah, I think. Yeah, not necessarily. I think the other the other aspect to that is you might even have the older child or older children just take turns reading that the family devotional or doing that uh, together. That way, your whole family is still engaged in the um, in the process and that time together, and that's also giving them um, um, training in what discipleship looks like in the um, in the future. So maybe even having them come up with uh, the question at, at some point as they progress of the one-word answer if there's, if there's littles. So oh, great, great observations, Dean. Any other um, observations or, or questions about, about this? Um, one note is, like, like, I love this book and also recognize, um, as much as I love extracurriculars, sometimes life can get really busy when it comes to uh, pursuing family devotions, but so if you find that like like wow this week really got away from us, or I really shirked off some responsibilities that I had wanted to. Day three of this um, study is always on the gospel, so that's that's my go-to if if it's been a really busy week. It's just going to day three in the um, in the book and, and doing that um, together with uh, um, with the kids. So back to our um, our agenda. Uh, I'm not going to go through the resources like specifically here. I just wanted to just highlight that there are resources at the table over here for um, for you to um, to look at. And with that, I'm going to turn our time back over to to Nick. So it's just been a joy to to be with you guys this morning. And again, I just I pray this is an opportunity for us to. Uh, to connect, but also to connect outside of our time here. So if there's any way that I can be a help or support to you in your pursuit and approach to family discipleship, um, I'd, I'd love to connect with you um, that, that way. Um, let me um, pray for us, as, and we'll have Nick um, close us here. Father in heaven, so grateful for this time that we've had to spend together to dig into your word as dads, as, as men. Uh, we ask that your spirit would be at work in, in our hearts, that you would just continue to grow our, our love and our affection for, for you and for your son, and that the overflow of that uh, affection would... Um, come from us to impact our our kids we are grateful that you are are far um, 
more passionate about passionate about uh, their their good than what we are, and we entrust them uh, to you as we seek to grow together in growing families for for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Brian put into this because I know I'm like I wouldn't want to follow this guy, um, but so much practical stuff there, um, so much ties back to the gospel. Uh, I was looking through the resources table over there earlier. Check it out. There's so much good stuff over there, especially stuff for for younger kids. There's a lot of younger kids stuff there, um, and I just love the idea of like building those like just like you said the rhythms. Just it's just a part of a rhythm of what we do. Your family won't think it's weird. It's just kind of like, this is what life is, you know? Um, So thanks again. Uh, Ryan and I are going to do a podcast recording, hopefully this week, maybe early next week. Um, This is the kind of subject that a lot of people might have questions about. So if you do have a question about, hey, this weird use, this situation, like how do I do this case? Or how do I balance these things? Or like, that's a great, just send me an email and be like, hey, ask Ryan this question on the podcast and I'll make sure I ask him that question on the podcast. So um, other big thing coming up, we have Fall Fest coming up next Sunday. So not this Sunday, next Sunday. It's right after church. So I'm really curious to see who's going to show up in costumes to church Sunday morning. I'm, I'm just excited about what this, uh, what this is going to look like. Uh, ben Derensburg is working on his Bob Ross costume already. How's it coming? It's getting there. He's going to be ready. He's got to find a squirrel. Uh, so uh, come excited for that. Um, I think that's it. Oh, book giveaways. I got two more books. Um, I really didn't think about how to give these away. Um, who has four kids in here? Precisely four kids. Um, I'll give this to you because there's six seats at the table, Gary. So, there you go. That's fine. Um, oh, do you? Who has three kids of all the way, or three on four, or I don't know? Um, uh, we're having no more kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I made fun of your hair, you know, Ben. All right, and then, who's the last? That's, by the way, that's Donald Whitney's um, Family Discipleship. Uh, it is a great, really basic, like, hey, do these three things. And... You know, and he also gives really good foundational uh, background about why it's important. A lot of same stuff. There's a lot of formation I could tell that in what he talked about and what Ryan talked about. Um, another one, and this is kind of similar to Ryan's. If you, if this really kind of expands on the rhythms idea. This is Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin's book, Family Discipleship. It's relatively new. It is not very long. I think these guys, both these authors, knew that dads are busy, and if you're reading these books, then you don't have a whole lot of time. Um, but this one talks about uh, basic rhythms and specifically modeling your faith uh, using time and moments and milestones. So, like, how do you do it every day? How do you do it on a more regular basis, like on a kind of extended basis? And how do you do it for big moments? Like, that's kind of his rhythms that they put in place. 
Um, who has used a chainsaw this week? Anybody? But last week. Who's the last person to use a chainsaw? Yeah? Anybody used a chainsaw since last month? Man, you guys all have fared well with the storm. It's good to hear. All right, Steve, you get this one. This got a picture of um, uh, All right, so we're going to have about not a super long discussion time, maybe 15 minutes or so of discussion on this just because uh, we already had a little bit of discussion time earlier. So let's sit down and talk through these concepts. Um, Ryan, you want to sit over here and do the discussion over here? I'll go over here. Um, awesome. Thank you guys again for coming.